0: This is KYUK Public Radio for the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta. I'm Sage Smiley. A 20-year-old man from the coastal village of Hooper Bay has been sentenced to serve seven years in prison after he pleaded guilty to manslaughter. The Alaska state troopers say that on March 9th, Hooper Bay resident Grant Hill set fire to a residence with two people inside, killing the homeowner, 43-year-old Victor Smith. Troopers also say that witnesses reported seeing Hill fighting with the other occupant of the home, 42-year-old Joseph Seaton, who troopers say is Hill's uncle outside of the home before the fire. According to the trooper who responded to the residence, Seaton reported both he and Smith attempted to extinguish the fire, which started inside the front entryway of the home. While Seaton was able to escape through a back window, Smith was pronounced dead shortly after arriving at Hooper Bay's clinic. According to the trooper, Hill said he had been angry at Seton and that he set a couch cushion and cardboard box on fire in the front entryway of the home with the intention of harming Seton. On February 15, Bethel Superior Court Judge Nathaniel Peters sentenced Hill to 11 years in prison, with four years suspended, in addition to 15 years of probation. In statewide news, Congresswoman Mary Peltola leaned into unity in her annual address to the Alaska legislature on Monday. She pointed to a new federal action against supermarket consolidation as a win for the state, for her efforts, and for what she sees as the Alaska model of bipartisanship.
1: Alaska has convinced the Federal Trade Commission to sue to block the Kroger Albertsons merger.
0: The proposed supermarket merger is intensely unpopular in Alaska. Kroger owns Fred Meyer Stores. Albertsons owns Safeway and Cars. Peltola, a Democrat, has rallied Alaska opposition, amplifying local concerns that combining the major grocery chains would bring higher food prices and eliminate union jobs. She and the state's U.S. senators wrote letters to the FTC opposing the merger. Peltola says she also met with the FTC chair and conveyed what Alaskans told her. And
1: today, the FTC informed me that it was those listening sessions, hearing from regular people like they have never heard before, that not only convinced them to move to stop this merger, but it also created a new model for how the FTC will engage with constituents when making big decisions that affect them in their
0: lives. The speech was infused with Peltola's brand of politics. She shared credit. She praised the state's Republican senators, and she struck an inclusive note. The first Alaska Native member of Congress said great Alaskans come from across the populace, regardless of lineage.
1: The parents and grandparents who persevered through hardship worked exciting and challenging jobs in booming industries. Whether they came from a long line of Alaskans Or we're just
0: one of the many who moved here, fell in
1: love, and never left.
0: The supermarket merger isn't dead yet. The FTC has authorized a lawsuit, but its track record in court is mixed. Kroger says it will still allow for competition in Alaska. It proposes to sell 14 of the 35 Cars Safeway stores to another company. Peltola is running for re-election this year, hoping to win her second full term as Alaska's sole member in the U.S. House. Two prominent Republicans have also filed for the seat, Nick Begich III and Lieutenant Governor Nancy Dalstrom. In other state news, the Iditarod last week disqualified former champion Brent Sass from this year's race following accusations he sexually assaulted multiple women. The 1,000 mile race to Nome kicks off Saturday. The vote by the Iditarod Trail Committee Board to bar the 44 year old Interior Alaska dog musher came nearly four months after the race received a letter accusing Sass of sexual assault. It was also a week after Alaska Public Media, the Anchorage Daily News, and ProPublica first asked the Iditarod about the allegations against Sass, who won the race in 2022. Working in collaboration, the newsrooms spoke to two women who say Sass sexually assaulted them within otherwise consensual sexual relationships that took place more than a decade ago. Sass has denied the allegations. Alaska public media reporter Casey Grove and Daily News and ProPublica reporter Kyle Hopkins joined Alaska News Nightly host Lori Townsend to talk about their reporting. And listeners should know this discussion includes descriptions of sexual violence.
2: So there's uh, this two-page letter that went out in early November to officials with the top sled dog races in Alaska, saying Sass had sexually assaulted multiple women over the course of a decade. And it asked that he be permanently banned from those races, which included the Kuskokwim 300, the Iditarod, and the Yukon Quest Alaska. And the letter was signed by Planned Parenthood Alliance Advocates Alaska director Rose O'Hara Jolly, who was acting as an advocate for the women. And then later, the newsrooms separately ...obtained copies of the letter, and we should note that Sass has denied ever having nonconsensual sex with anyone, and he has not been charged with the crime. O'Hara Jolly fully declined to comment when asked about the Planned Parenthood letter, and it did not contain any names of alleged victims. But the letter sent us on a path of investigating its claims. And as it turned out, one of the races, the Kuskokwim 300 out of Bethel, had already obtained information beyond what was contained in the November 2nd letter, according to a K300 document that we were provided... Officials with that race quietly asked Sass to withdraw in December, which he did after asking race officials to reconsider. But another race, the Yukon Quest Alaska 300, made a different decision. It allowed Sass to stay in. A Yukon Quest Alaska board member resigned, saying the race had failed to investigate. That was Quest and I Iditarod veteran Jody Bailey, who said, quote, I was told that this might be bad for Brent and we needed to try and keep this quiet, end quote. Bailey said it was the race board president, Mark Weber, who told her that. Weber denied making those comments. Sass went on to win the Yukon Quest Alaska and took home $7,500, among other prizes.
3: So what about the alleged victims that you actually talked to? I take it that you've been talking to them at some point after seeing the letter.
4: That's right. We heard from two women separately who said Sass had sexually assaulted them. The newsrooms typically do not name alleged victims of sexual assault unless they choose to be named. One was a former dog handler who moved to Fairbanks as a young adult to work for Sass. She said eventually they started having sex. She said they were together in a sauna one time when Sass said he wanted to have sex. She said she told him no, but she said Sass put his hand around her throat, choked her, and proceeded to have sex with her. She said that another time they were having consensual sex when Sass made her perform a sex act that she had told him she didn't want to do. The woman signed a sworn and notarized statement that included the specific sexual assault allegations, and two of her friends told the newsrooms they remembered her telling them years ago that Sass had non-consensual sex with her. The woman also presented a copy of a journal entry dated during the time she worked for Sass, saying he suddenly slapped her in the face while they were having sex, an assertion she also made in her recent sworn statement. And that woman said she didn't go to the police at the time because she was not thinking clearly, depended on Sass for shelter at his remote dog kennel, and she worked for him. She also said it took her time to realize what she says happened to her was wrong.
3: And and it's my understanding that you spoke with another accuser, Kyle?
4: Right, so we spoke to a second woman
2: who said she also had a sexual relationship with Sass, and she said he forced her to engage in sex acts in which she had not consented. She said, quote, I was actively saying stop, end quote. She provided us with three emails sent over a two-year period telling friends and family that Sass had sexually assaulted her. In one of those emails dated 2016, she wrote that Sass had, quote, choked, hit, bit, and otherwise caused me a lot of physical pain, all without prior consent or any discussion on those activities, end quote. That email also said Sass had forced her multiple times to engage in a sex act. And that woman gave us a copy of a letter from the um, Interior Alaska Center for Nonviolent Living stating that in 2015, she had been a client of that Fairbanks domestic violence shelter and had, quote, identified Brent Sass as her abuser. Now, it's not clear how much of the accounts that we gathered from the two women and other sources may have been in the Iditarod's possession when it moved to disqualify Sass.
3: So she went to a domestic violence shelter, but like the first woman, she didn't go to police. Did she say why?
2: She did. Um, That relates to something we've heard from other people who say they are survivors of sexual assault. And in fact, it's mentioned in the Planned Parenthood letter. And that's that people in these situations feel it can be difficult to get justice. The second of Sasse's accusers wrote uh, about this in her 2016 email. And I'm just going to read this to you. She wrote... Why don't I take legal action? I've thought about it. Rape is extremely difficult to prove, and our society is highly prone to victim shaming. I have little faith the result would be positive for me. I struggle with the fact that he's a quasi-public figure with a sunshiny, heroic reputation. I do want people to know the truth, but it's not a truth that people want to hear or are likely to accept. So those are her words in the email to her relative in 2016. She also wrote in that same email that Sass warned her, that, quote, if I said anything to anyone in Fairbanks that was bad about him, he would ruin me, end quote. And from previous reporting, we have estimates that fewer than a third of sexual assault survivors report their allegations to police. And we know that in Alaska, for cases where the most serious charge is first degree sexual assault, only 11 percent of those actually end in a conviction on that charge.
3: And what about Brent Sass? What did he say about all of this? Casey? Casey?
4: Yeah, we talked to him in an interview just about a week ago, and he denied each allegation. Here's what he said about the allegations more broadly. None of that happened. I'll, I'll just, I'm going to flat out deny it. None of it happened. This is These no. are personal attacks. People just don't want me in the sport anymore. Sass also told us that he never threatened anyone. If they felt that way, I would tell them, tell somebody. If they felt that way, I would be talking it out. I would never tell anyone to hide it or to not say anything. And to be clear, at that point, Sass had not been disqualified from the Iditarod, but he did tell us that the race had asked him to withdraw days earlier. Then, on Thursday, the Iditarod announced it had disqualified Sass for this year's race.
0: Alaska public media reporter Casey Grove and Daily News and ProPublica reporter Kyle Hopkins joined Alaska News Nightly host Lori Townsend to talk about their reporting. This is KYUK News. I'm Sage Smiley. Koyana for listening. Please share your news tips, comments, or suggestions. You can email us at news at KYUK.org or message us on Facebook. And stay tuned for Yurtun Ganam Chit coming up.